Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Tribe Exchange. If you've ever, as a follower of Jesus, thought to yourself, is this all there is when it comes to your personal health or healing uh, or growth? This episode is really going to be helpful for you. As well, if you've ever questioned those who follow Jesus, who claimed to bring wholeness and healing and contentment and peace, and yet they don't really experience that in their lives, uh, we also think this is going to be a really informative and helpful uh, conversation. So if you enjoy it, please give us a like, uh, a subscribe, even a share. Uh, it means so much. Thanks and enjoy. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tribe Exchange. I'm happy to have my wife, Rachel, with me today. Uh, and we are excited to have our guests, Kent and Heather McKean. Uh, they both served in the full-time ministry uh, as pastors for about 15 years uh, in churches across the United States and abroad. Uh, and the last post that they had was in beautiful Maui, Hawaii, uh, where they were leading a church there. Uh, through their, their own personal journeys, their own personal work, ministry work, um, working with hundreds of clients worldwide, they've, they've helped people understand God's connection uh, to the brain, uh, the body, and the Bible, and how all of that is uh, intimately connected. And then using the latest research in science and uh, psychoneuroimmunology. Psycho I, I practiced that word a couple times before. Psychoneuroimmunology, quantum psychology, and the mind-body connection. Uh, Kent and Heather really believe that the Bible not only backs up scientific findings, but actually expands upon them. Uh, and then in 2021, they authored The Metanoia Method, How the Brain, Body, and Bible Work Together. Uh, and it's a program that they are now full-time teaching, training, and working. That is their new uh, vocation together. And so we're just excited to have you guys on, on the show. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. So let's just start off for the people who maybe aren't familiar, familiar with the method and the technique. What is the metanoia method and what makes it different? Primarily, what makes it different from other methods? Great question. Um, the metanoia method is something that has been born out of kind of a personal uh, struggle, actually. Um, many, many years ago, it's been eight years ago now, nine years ago, I found myself really sick um, with innumerable, uh, incurable diseases. And, um, and really we were legitimately considering what we needed to do if I weren't to make it. Mm -hmm. So we were having, um, you know, those kind of conversations. I was in liver kidney failure, um, a lot of different stuff happening and out of, and I really, it's, it feels like it goes without saying, but I tried everything. I mean, I tried I everything, yeah. even even some of those out there kind of woo-woo things. I was like, okay, if you know, if it's going to keep me around, um, keep me here for my kids, I'll try it. And over the course of that next really year, um, I stumbled upon what I would say was my first foray into the mind-body connection. And I quickly got well, quickly, um, like within three months, I was off of all medications and which was 180 a day. <laughs> wow. A lot. 
so many. I have pictures of it and everything. And anyway, it was just really um, just a crazy thing. And it was off of all those medications was really, I considered myself well. I no longer um, felt like any of the diagnoses that I was given were applied to my life anymore. And I didn't, um, I just rejected those completely and was really moving forward as, as though my life were well. Some of the stuff that I used uh, to get well, I was like, okay, this worked for me. Some stuff didn't work. Mm -hmm. But the bigger thing was, does it line up with the Bible? Okay. And why does it work? Like when it does work, why does it work? And that really propelled me forward into study of all different types, as you mentioned. Um, I really wanted to know what was happening within our brain when we changed, how that connected to our body, and then ultimately what effect that was really having on our spirit uh, and what part that played in the whole thing. So that led me down to, you know, just lots of different rabbit holes. Um, I'm blessed to not have to be tied in to any one framework of thinking. Yeah. Um, and so was able to take from so many different people who've laid groundwork in their own areas where they were focused yeah. and pull from yeah. that. So the metanoia method is really just a conglomeration of all of that that I've learned through myself and then working on other people, having other people come in and you know do the work. And what it really is is a way to go in and do some rewiring in the neural pathways in our brain. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I'll... <clears throat> I'll just add something to that is obviously, you know, Heather's health journey, um, it uncovered a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. And, you know, for me, when she started changing, uh, her health, her life, her mindset, um, it was, it was a bit daunting. I mean, I was excited. I mean, I wanted my wife well, right. I and mean, that was yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, she's well, but it really started to transform, um, or at least put a very different, uh, uh, something in between our relationship and I had to dig that out and that's kind of my journey going going through but the as she was diving through she obviously wrote a, a book first mind change before we wrote metanoia method and um, our passion really was to make sure that it lined up with God and the Bible and to make sure we're not you know diving into something that maybe we shouldn't and uh, and as we did and as we researched and as we, we dove further in obviously the Bible being a passion of both of ours, mm -hmm. um, we realized, oh my goodness, it actually, as you said at the beginning, this, this is actually expand, the Bible expands on everything that science already teaches, um, which is really neat, so. That's really cool. So, I mean, obviously you guys have done a lot of research. How, how long did it take you to kind of wade through all this material and start to see those connections and go, oh, okay, like th there's some marrying of these uh, theories and ideas and research to the scripture and the narrative of the scripture. Was this like, was this just a long quiet time, a long, you know, uh, morning devotional? Or was this, how, how did the, how'd you go about that? And how long did it take? Yeah, it was 2012, 13, thir really 2013 when you were like, okay, how does this line up with the Bible? And then for the next what, nine years, we were like, we need to like really write something or express this or teach this or do something, you know? It was in my heart right away when I got well. Um, Cause you know, listen, I did all, I, I prayed, <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. You know, I did all the things. I got to the point where 
you know, the elders were putting oil on my head and, right. you know, praying around and everything, right. which I was like, wait, that's real. That's a real thing. I thought that was not a real thing, but it's a real thing. Real thing. Um, yeah. I was in rough shape. So uh, I had really, I, I never went to the point where I felt like God had failed me or, or even really being angry at God. I don't think that I was in a, a position emotionally where I thought that that was allowed. So I just right. really didn't do that. But I felt like I was missing something. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I didn't feel like it was something missing inside of me and that I was just broken or there was something wrong with me or well, given my history and my childhood, it's probably, I was like, I think there's a piece here that's there that I'm just missing. Yeah. So in the beginning, um, I, the first thing I wanted was to make sure that the stuff that I was doing was you know aligned in the Bible right. that I wasn't out there doing some hoodoo voodoo stuff people are so afraid you know and and legitimately sure. I didn't want to be outsourcing that to something that sure. was not God yeah yeah so that was my first thing it really was actually like a big long quiet time you know for a couple years yeah. where I didn't really share it with too many people although people were asking because I had gotten so Radically well better yeah so and fast so fast yeah. and people you know i don't think most people most people in my um circle didn't know how sick i was mm -hmm. but you could you knew that i something had changed um they thought i was secretly like like hiding cancer because i was <laughs> slowly declining wow. But I wanted to make sure that it lined up. So I did that for quite a while, just really diving in. Yeah. And something happened that I wasn't expecting, which was I didn't really realize how radically my faith needed to heal. Mm. I didn't know. I thought it was just my body. Um, and through the, 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 the study and through the diving in and digging in, I realized that a lot of what was contributing to my dis-ease inside was the way I thought about God, the way yeah. I thought about Bible, the way I thought about church, the way I yeah. felt about me. Yeah. And that was really contributory. And when I started realizing that, I was like, oh, this is gonna be um, this is gonna be tricky. <laughs> this is not something people are gonna want to hear, you know? And so I really, that was the beginning of it. Why, let me let me ask really quick just to interject why do you think that because obviously you're doing your research you've you've got the results like there are results that are happening actually in your life people around it are seeing there's evidence right and this research is now helping you kind of see like oh okay there, there's actually this is an integrated thing right that's not just like my health is aside from my faith, but that's, mm -hmm. this is an integrated thing that, that has to do with my thinking and my, you know, like you said, the mind, body, and uh, our, our doctrine, our Bible, or um, our, our, the way that we view life uh, through a theology. Um, why do you think there was a tension there of, you know, how are other people gonna, how are other, and I'm assuming what you mean by other people, specifically other Christians, right? Like, how are other Christians going to view this? Um, why do you think that that tension existed for you? Probably born out of my own struggle, the own, my own things that I had to come to terms with, um, because I had gotten to a place. Here's the thing. 
I didn't realize some of the stuff that was going on inside of my mind. Some of the way places that I had gone and belief systems that I had allowed myself to explain why I was so sick, mm-hmm. why I was a faithful, hardworking, believing Christian right. who'd put my entire life out to the service of the ministry. Right. And I'm about to die. So all the measurements are there for you to not be feeling this way, right? In, in terms of like, I don't know, if we over-spiritualize things and, and it's just kind of a, a reward system. Like if you do enough of this for God, then the rest of your life in other areas should work out. All those measurements were there and yet there still wasn't, it still wasn't working out. There was still these health issues, right? And if we're going to get really real here, um, you can Please. edit it however you want. Um, we have a little bit of a romance around um, suffering. Uh-huh. Mm. And that there is, you know, I talk about it in the book, but the sanctification through suffering, mm. because I think we've not been able to really figure out why so many people are sick and addicted and, and things are falling apart within the framework of Christianity, which is supposed to be the answer. Right. That we've gone to some pretty interesting places with that. Right. So one of which is, well, I guess God just, you know, gave me this. This is where one of the places I went. And this is what I was told in, in some ways, too. Because, listen, people people aren't bad. They're just trying to look for answers. Yeah, it's good right? intentioned, but sure. <laughs> totally. Which was, I guess I haven't learned a lesson yet. Mm-hmm. You know, God's trying to teach me a lesson and I haven't learned it. Yeah, mm-hmm. or even, you know, well, this is this is God's plan or this is... This is to God's glory somehow, even if we don't totally comprehend it. Um, as Heather said, or even as you said, I think that we as, I don't know if it's Christianity or if it's just the Western world, we want black and white answers. And so we search for them. And when we find something that kind of works, yeah, then we just kind of hold on to it. Whether that's, you know, well, to be a good Christian, you read the Bible and you pray and you just stay faithful. And if I do this and I go to church and I this and this and this, everything will work out. And if there are hard things, it must be to God's glory instead of looking deeper and saying, hey, I've figured a lot of great things out, a lot of truths, but are there deeper truths that I can mm, find? Right. Other things that, that might have to, and, and so often I, I know for me and my journey as well, it was <clears throat> yeah, but if this, then I have to deconstruct this, 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 and this. And it's so much easier to just kind of fall in line with what works as a Christian, with what works as a human, with what, with what works in a relationship or whatever else, especially in ministry, um, rather than, no, actually, if I deconstruct this and this, perhaps I'll be able to see a clearer picture of God, a, ser- a clearer picture of his church, a clearer picture of of humanity and what we're supposed to be rather than this little, you know, lens that I've been seeing it through. And I think it's fear. It's for me, it was definitely fear of, um, I, I I don't want to take this filter off, not consciously, but I don't want to take this filter off because what will that mean? What will, what will I see in myself? What will I see? in? does that mean I'll see things in the church and I'll all of a sudden lose faith or, you know, all these different things instead of realizing, yeah, actually taking the filters off and seeing it in a maybe more raw setting can actually help us see God clearer and can help unravel the things that were already tangled. But it was just, I was so afraid to, and I think both of us were so afraid to take off a little thing and you're, uh Oh, it's like pulling the yarn, you know? Right. Boop, boop, boop. Well, I was 
blown away by the book when I first read it. Mind change the 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 first the first edition or first book. I don't know part one. Um, <laughs> what I appreciated about the book was as I was reading it, and the first book doesn't have a lot of scripture, right? I think it's the second book that has it's more aligned. Um, but yeah. all these scriptures were popping in my head as I was reading it. And I felt like, oh, they're speaking my language. Like I've had this, this hidden belief for this, like, I don't know, this wanting to seek out, like hmm. there's more. The I, I see Jesus's power in the scriptures. I see healing and not that we're just going to go around and heal everything and everyone, but I just felt like there was a power that was untapped mm. and the answers were, for me, they were just too shallow. And I just felt like, no, I, th I think there's more. And I, you know, I think I drove people crazy a little bit asking <laughs> why and well, why this? I was and, one of those people. I was like, I got to go to school for some theology. Yeah. I don't know. This is some deep questioning. Yeah. Because I just, I always felt like, no, 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 no. There's, there's more mm -hmm. like, and I just mm -hmm. can't articulate it or I don't. Um, and so when I started reading the book and all these scriptures started just coming to my mind and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what he says that's this scripture and that's right. this. And, and it was, it was a delightful moment for me in all honesty. And I really, mm. I really appreciated the original design, um, mm. how we were created in God's image. We were created perfectly and how there is a deviation. And most recently I've adopted the deformation of the original design. Right. Um, so maybe you can speak a little to that, that concept of, um, the original design, how we're created. And then the, falling from that and what that has yeah and even and even the the journey back through mind change and through repentance maybe you can kind of talk about that that journey that we go on yeah you want to take it or you want me to do? yeah well i mean to speak to what you said a, a second ago the the reason i did mind change first even though the the bible was such a passion and that was the first book on my heart metanoia method was the first book on my heart um, I couldn't get it out. It kept coming out, coming out as mind change. And I realized, I think because I wanted to treat that material with such respect, mm -hmm. I wanted to, I had some ideas and some thoughts and some personal stuff, but I mean, for a lot of us, our entire identity, everything, heart, mind, and soul is wrapped up in what we call Christianity in, in our version of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and I'm not saying that's ne necessarily a wrong thing at all. I think there's some rightness in that, but I think that when you're bringing material that might poke mm -hmm. at that um, coping, you know, or it, it, when it's become a coping score, when it's become a filter that has saved you in some way, it's a safety right. filter. That's when it's like, ooh, we need to really be we need to be careful with this information. And that's mm -hmm. why it took nine years to right. write. Um, it's been being written for that long. And then when we finally, and I think honestly, if I, if I can look back now, I think I needed my husband on board with it. Mm. Um, not for any weird religious reasons, but I think that for his perspective coming in, having been born and raised mm -hmm. in, you know, in this where I didn't, I came to Christianity later in my life then I, we needed those, those contrasting, um, perspectives. Yeah. Perspectives because it, it, people are coming from these different perspectives. So I think that where we needed to start, which you mentioned was where in the beginning, yeah. It, it, yeah. it had to be there. I feel like 
so I was going through going, what did I miss? What have I missed? Because the end results are not adding up to me. And when you say, what what did you miss? You mean specifically in your framework of a Christian faith, what did you miss? Yeah, when I could be nearly dying and feeling like I was committed so much to God and had to wrestle with that. Well, so what? With the, with the information I have, yeah. so God wants me to die for his glory. Right. Like really that's what is gonna glorify him is to leave two little girls and a husband behind and abandon them just like I felt like my mother had abandoned me. Like really that's the glory of God. This is mm. the things that I had to wrestle with at the end. Mm. And that wrestling through like, I guess I'm just not learning my lesson. I'm not an unintelligent person. And I'm like, how have I gone this long and not learned this lesson that I need to be learning? Like, really? And then I, and then when I started engaging more with my kids, I was like, okay, I'm not a perfect parent, but I can tell you, I am not going to make it this hard for them to figure out the right answer. You know, like even me. So I was like, that can't be it. I wrestled with so many things. So that's what I'm saying when I'm looking for what was I missing? I had to, I had to have a, something that made sense to me that made sense to my mind that made sense to my body and that and that even felt right even inside Mm -hmm. and so that's really where metanoia method was born was wrestling through those theological doctrinal filtered issues religious issues and and come to answers for myself so we started in the beginning yeah and i think that uh, i'll even add to that that metanoia method probably took longer for all those reasons um and uh probably too because i was as heather's mentioned i was behind i was being towed in some of this stuff at the beginning (laughs) she's getting well and i'm like that's awesome keep getting well but i didn't insert myself into it for another number of years um because honestly now looking back what i realize is I was like, man, she does have a lot to figure out. There was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of like her past and yeah. all these things. And for me, having grown up in the Christian world from the time I was born, my parents meeting as Christians and then all of that, to me, ultimately, one of my beliefs, one of my, I'll say coping skills was, but I've pretty much got it together. Like, I, I mean, I, I did everything right. You know, it was this kind of mindset, or at least that everyone around me did everything right. So I know the truths. I know what God, I know who God is. I know what it is to follow Jesus and all these other things. So when she was recognizing and explaining to me, oh, some of her past, actually all of her past is, is the reason for these current symptoms and current things. I'm like, great, deal with your past. You needed to deal with that. You know, and for me, I was thinking, that's why I'm healthy. That's why I'm good. I mean, there was just a lot of, I think, self-righteousness. Um, but mostly it wasn't coming from just, oh, but look, I have it together. It was coming, I think, from a deep insecurity of I've got to have things on right because deep down, I just didn't feel right. I felt wrong most of the time. I felt a sense of guilt about everything. Even as a Christian, as someone who's forgiven, I, I had a deep sense of shame and guilt and insecurity and, um, and so many of my decisions and, and even in interactions in our marriage and life's decisions came out of fear. So and so for me, 
like just to be clear, so then what you're saying, you're you're dis-ease, right? Where Heather's was more of a physical manifestation, right? Your dis-ease that you felt was an internal one. It was everything looked right on the outside. You're healthy, you're functioning, marriage, career, but inside there was this this uh, you know dissonance that was happening of it all looks right it all it should feel right i know all the right things but something internally is still not right exactly and i'll even say i think up until probably 2000 oh goodness i don't know probably up until five six years ago Mm -hmm. maybe seven years ago i i even felt like it was right like there was nothing i was like what there was this part of me that was blocked, that was so thick in, I, it has to be right, I have to be okay, that even the things that felt guilty and shameful and whatever, I pushed aside. Sure. And so I believed that everything was okay, even though it didn't feel great, I still believed it Yeah. for a long well, I, time. I appreciate your guys' backstory, and I think it's helpful because you guys, it's really cool how you know you guys have two totally different journeys, but you're arriving hmm. at the same space to work through some of the same stuff. And so I think getting into some of the nuts and bolts would be helpful at this point of the conversation of like, so to her question of how does this all work? So you've got this idea and maybe you can walk us through it. The idea of original you know, intent and this fall from that intent and however that looks, right? Maybe it's more of Kent's experience or it's Heather's experience, but there's this fall from original intent. And then there's this return through a metanoia method, through a mind change. Can you just walk us through that um, functionally? How does that, how does that story go? Yeah, I'll start. You can kind of complete it. Um, So we had to kind of start from the beginning and say, well, then if we feel fear, if we feel messed up, if we feel all these things, if we're diseased, if we're, then how did God originally create us? Like, there's no way this is, if God is amazing and perfect and powerful, there's no way that this is how he created us. So we had to really step back. And of course, we all know the Adam and Eve story. We all know the origin story of, of life through Christianity and things like that. And, and yet we had to dive deeper and say, what happened? And as we started studying that out, as we started getting deeper into just even Genesis 1 through 3, I mean, just looking at that, um, recognizing it's not just a nice story. It's not just a, oh, and this is what happened. And this is what it's really, it's God's narrative of not only what he did, but who we are. Mm. And, and it's that whole thing of it is good. Everything he, re- he created was good. And I, as I really dove into what does that look like? What does that word mean? Um, what does it mean that we are very good, right? It's that word good is, is, is perfect. Exactly the way that you were created to be. Um, it doesn't mean now for me, again, it came from that, like, but I have to be perfect. I have to, and it's, it's no, no, it's exactly how you were created to be. Uh, and then kind of going into well, what happened. Oh, it's sin. And again, there's so many hot buttons around sin and bad and evil and all these things, but realizing, man, God still wanted that relationship with them. God still. And so is it really this forever destruction thing or this tainted thing? No, it's this deviation. Right. And so we start out perfect. We start out exactly who God created us to be this, this being that's for community, this being that's made for, um, for community with God, community with, with one another, with the earth. Right. And then as we make decisions, it's not that bad, 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 good. It's, Hey, here's how we are created to be. And anything that goes off of that, it's just, it's just deviating off the path, but man, there's still a path there for us. And those deviations, 
have some ripple effect, right? They're not just they're not just deviations, and then you return to exactly. the the path, and there's no no consequence or no memory of their of the deviation, right? But they have some some effect in our lives that you know manifest at some point, right? Well, I mean, arguably they yeah. they change the way that your mind operates, right? There's yeah, because you think about, uh, let's just go back to Eve, right? Uh, Adam and Eve, when, when they made a decision that was deviating from the way they were created to be, the path they were supposed to be on, it, all of a sudden they were infused with, again, all the fear and all the insecurity and the blaming, and right? Like that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the decisions we make are absolutely going to cause you know, something. And, and of course, our subconscious and the way that God created us in a really good and wise way is we need to survive. Like we need to be safe. Right. And so when we make decisions that are deviating out, so our brain, our body just wants to be safe. And yet we've made a decision that's, that's going outside of that. And so, so yeah, there's going to be effect. We deviate out of this original intent of community with God, community with others, love, you know, a, a, a posture towards God, towards people, towards the earth that is good and and we are the very good experience of it all right and and we deviate from that in our decision making and that that creates a consequence of of fear or shame or regret or a covering up a coping i think was the word you used and then that talk a little bit about how how does that begin to um, rewire. rewire our subconscious and and what how does that look like how does that come out later on in life so it's okay. <laughs> so we have our conscious mind, which is what we're basically using right now. Right. And to, to speak and to think, and it's our real, it's the logical reasoning part of us. Right. But then we have our subconscious mind and our subconscious mind is really our, our, in one sense, it's our great protector. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what regulates your, temperature, your blood pressure, your breathing, it's, it does all of those non-conscious activities hmm. that if we were consciously trying to control, we could alter them or we would alter them in probably yeah. a, a life-threatening way. <laughs> so your subconscious mind is what has been storing every tiny little bit of information that you've been exposed to for your entire life. And what it does is it, it learns to filter what's important. And un unfortunately or fortunately, I think you could go both ways here. One of the things that it deems important are when our activity kicks up of like, hey, we're in danger. Mm -hmm. Because one of its major jobs is to keep us out of danger, to keep us safe, to keep us alive. So we've been built with this God-given uh, emergency alert system that's actually when you get into it it is phenomenally amazing hmm. with our the the balance between our sympathetic and parasympathetic ner nervous systems and all the ways that it's connected from our gut to our heart to our brain i mean it is it's awe inspiring yeah but what happens is when we have what we usually call a traumatic event and it can be anything and so if we'll take it right back to the garden eve's first traumatic event is inner engaging with someone who enters into these questionings that that go right after this the core and a core question we all have in our initial development is are we okay are we good enough 
Am I going to be loved? Because here's the thing. The real deeper thing is, am I going to be loved? Am I safe? Hmm. Okay. So to be loved and to be safe means people will engage with me, that my caregivers, my primary caregivers will be there for me unconditionally. So even as into this conversation and an idea gets popped up there that maybe she's missing out. Mm-hmm. Maybe she doesn't have everything she needs for her, her entire wholeness and safety. Mm. And she then, now she's made very good. She's made imperfection. She doesn't need that, but a thought arises. And that thought she takes and she puts inside. And it starts to light up all of the different things in her brain of, well, am I good enough? Mm. Do I have what it takes? You know, everything like that. She could have made the decision, obviously, to say, no, I have got everything I need. God is enough, everything. But she went this other direction. And that is where that rewiring. So we, the thought comes up there. And we're in, when we're in our developmental stages and we see something out there, then we use the filters that we have. And that changes our brain. So her, that was really, if we're going to talk in our languaging, yeah. that was her first primary imprint and her first uh, traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And from that, she made a decision that led to, unfortunately, more trauma, which is really, really common yeah. because it alters our, the, the way that our brain was created. So that sub that what you're saying is that once that deviation kind of happens, the subconscious starts to filter, you know, information in a different way, which has a ripple effect of now, you know, in conscious mind making decisions that often lead to more trauma or more pain. hundred percent. And then it's a cycle. And then it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Yeah. Okay. So that's yes. the, the deviation. That's the fall. So then how do we return? I mean, one of the, the scriptures that kept lighting up in my brain as I read, it's one of my favorites, well, two. One is, you know, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. Like, I've always loved that because I'm a why asker, even to myself. Why, 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 why? And then whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's right in Philippians. Um, but I know that it's more than just talk therapy. I know that it's more than just positive thinking. Right. That's I think that's good. (laughs) It's a good first. It's what I teach my seven year old. But that I don't believe is what returns us to that original design. So then what completes that process? And what is the return like specifically in our from our brain standpoint? What is the return? Well, I just want to add one thing. Great questions, because I love these questions. The cool thing about I mean, we know metanoia. Uh, you know, to, to transform your mind, to repent, right? Mm-hmm. And that means to actually change your mind, right? Mind change. Um, and that's the New Testament uh, metanoia, what it is. In the Old Testament, the word repent comes from the word return, which is what you're mm-hmm. saying. And so there's this whole idea of not only changing our mind, New Testament, right? Change your mind, but even Old Testament of change your mind so that you can return to the original way that you were created to be return to me god right return and all these different things so that's that's kind of neat right there but um but absolutely it's there's this idea of okay now we've deviated what do we do right uh and and that's where 
all of the neural pathways in our brain, right? Because it's we've created something, we've gone this way, this way, this way. What do we do with those? Mm -hmm. And that's the uh, well, in our language, we call it pattern interrupting and scratching at it. But you have to deconstruct. You can't just uh, put a really nice fancy bridge on top of a foundation that's already crumbled, right? You, you can't, can't just, just add positive thinking and right. Uh, no so way. Okay. It's like it's like I mean, take even the the Christian idea of of repentance, right, and, and turning to Christ. You can't just all the stuff you used to do. Well, let me just add going to church. Let me just add praying. Let me just add and continue all the junk that's there. Like, no, you, mm -hmm. you have to dig it out so that it's no longer there. And then you can add whatever else you want to it. And it's the same thing with our brain is we can't just add nice positive affirmations or, um, or even just truths that are out there and try to take them on without getting rid of the, the untruths, the things that aren't actually true, that we, the mantras that we tell ourselves. And so that's what we have to be able to dig out. And that's really the metanoia method process, the mind change process that we talk about in the books or in the trainings. And I, I think if I can be so bold to say, I think that's where we've done a big miss in the Christian world, because we've got these concepts. We sort of understand what, whether we use the word deviation, we sort of understand that we've gone astray, right? Yeah. And this, the, the idea of baptism being this rebirth, mm -hmm. I think, uh, yes, and all of us want that, and that sort of clean slate. But what I don't, where I think we missed is then how much Jesus and God and the Bible talk about what we need to do in our mind once we, mm -hmm. that clean slate is meant to remind us, hey, I never left you. I'm right here. Mm -hmm. You need to return back to the idea that you were created perfectly. And all this bad stuff that you've done is a result of the, the, the things that you've been exposed to. You are in a fallen world. It's going to happen. Right. And right. so, yes, be cleansed. Yes. But then now you've got to do the work. Right. right. Now Which, you've got to start. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, well, that's probably why a lot of Christians have don't stay faithful to the faith of Christianity over time in the sense of there is a, there is a, an initial mm -hmm. burst of a return of this renewal process, this, you know, forgiveness, this sense of rightness with God and, and even an entrance into community, which is going to fulfill a lot of, of human needs and, and, and probably help some of the healing process to an extent, right? Over and a time. sincere desire to do good. And a right? sincere desire, yeah. right? but it, you know, um, Christians, uh, I think it's no surprise and no mystery that for Christians and for those outside of Christianity to look at Christians and go, yeah, some, you guys are not the full package, right? Like there's still, right. there's still a lot of miss, there's still stuff to be desired in terms of character and behavior and how you're obviously coping with things that are not well inside of you. You may have this right theology and you may have a great belief system, but how you actually behave in the world is not great, right? And um, so it just makes sense to us, right, that this is there, there's more to do. And so, and we we've got a little bit of time left for this conversation, but I, I would love to just kind of round it out in how does your research show, you know, actually, and I'm looking for the word, the psycho neuroimmunology, you know, pat, like how does this all affect this this return, this um, repentance, this mind change, how does that actually happen in our brain? And how does that then 
integrate in the rest of our body so that, mm. you know, we can kind of see that connection that you had, Heather, that, that changed things for you. Mm. Well, I think, uh, Rachel, the, the thing that you said about the, you know, taking captive every thought, that was one of my big aha moments and realizing that the way that I was doing it before or would teach on it or, you know, think about it was not right. And in my mind, it was the way that I took captive every thought was, let's say anger would come up. You know, I would feel anger or I would, you know, just be angry. And I would, so the first thing I would do in taking captive this thought was I'd grab a hold of it and I would label it and I would tell it that it's bad, <laughs> you know? You're bad, I'm not supposed to be angry. This is a sin, you're a sin, this is bad. So now notice what I'm doing there. I'm adding shame, I'm adding blame. I'm adding all judgment to this, trying to thinking that's what's gonna help it go away. Without realizing, no, anger's a God-given emotion. I need to engage with it and be curious about it and acknowledge that it's there and now figure out what message it brings for me. When I start to do that, I'm now being able to, to engage with it in a way from almost a mind of God, like, mm -hmm. okay, why are you here? What are you here for? And if I can start to, to, to talk with it and work through it, then it'll start to give me the resources of why it's there. Now I've got the stuff that I can work on. These are the things that I can take captive and make submissive. Mm. What I used to do was I'd take that anger and I'd blame it and I'd shame it and I'd stuff it down into the deepest, darkest place. <laughs> and I'm only laughing because we can relate. Yeah, right? yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and think that, okay, and then I would shame myself. I need to try harder, pray harder, repent, 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 repent. Do more in Which order. I wasn't using repentance in its proper form. I wasn't changing my mind about it. Seeing what was there, working with it and changing it, I was stuffing it. I was avoiding it. Or I would positive think over it. Mm -hmm. So positive thinking can be a lot like wrapping a red ribbon around... Who? A piece of trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, what I say we're wrapping around isn't the most user-friendly term. It's like the ribbon's nice and it's great, but listen, if you don't deal with the underneath stuff, it's going to stink Right. eventually. Not saying positive thinking isn't great. It's great. It's great when you're adding it to what you have or you know, using it as a perspective shift. But if you're using it to get rid of all these really terrible things that have happened to you, it doesn't work. Not going to happen. Why? It's another because our bodies... It's another coping mechanism at that point, right? Purely, purely. And the mind isn't going to, it's not going to do it. You've got pictures in there. You've got feelings. You've got emotions. You've got really terrible things that have happened to you. Even if you don't think so. Like a child who's ignored, that is a highly traumatic event to their nervous system. If they're yelled at, if they're ignored, if they're labeled, there's a lot of things that that can still be considered really traumatic to a child that affects their development. And so those, those change our brain. How we get back is we have to look at it. We have to use truth. Mm -hmm. We have to use that, that safe place that God gives us to say, I'm safe enough to look at me. He sees me and still loves me. That's our safe space. Go, okay, I need to see me and still love me, not Guilt me, blame me. That's not the way that he does it to help us. That's not what brings healing. It never has. 
guilt, shame, blame, judgment, they cycle. They cycle us back in, they pull us back. There's no healing in that. So we really need to be able to look at what's happening in our brain. Some, for some people, initially talking about it, talk therapy, is highly effective because it's getting out into the light. Because you've been holding it in for so long, all these yeah. negative feelings, all this yeah. stuff, all this, you know. It's never been witnessed. Yeah. You've never had it witnessed. Yeah, there's a cathartic um, experience in that, that way, sure. right? Yes. But that's not Having, the complete journey. No. No. And in fact, if you keep having it witnessed over and over yeah, and over and over again. The oh, maybe then it's hard. Maybe it's kind of drilling down a little bit deeper in some of those pathways that already exist that yeah. haven't it's been. It's strengthening them. Exactly. Yeah, right? It's widening sense. the road. Which is why it's people deepening. who are confessing, you know, some cyclical thing that they're struggling with for decades on, I begin to take on the belief system that this is just who I am, I'll never change. Mm -hmm. This is this is my world, this yes. is my thing. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So, and I've so, heard that, have you not heard that? Someone I have, say, yeah, I work in the full-time ministry. I've probably said yeah. it myself, I've heard it many times in counseling. And so, so yeah. essentially though, you know, you guys talk a little bit about this idea of neuroplasticity and mm -hmm. and and I'm 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 gathering that this framework that God offers us through this the scriptural lens of what what repentance really can be right um, it has an actual biological effect on our our brain and our our neuro connections can you speak to a yeah. little bit about that yeah yeah the way that we the, I mean literally thought creates matter in our brain right Th every thought. Um, either, well, actually it does both, but it, it, when you're thinking, if you put your brain under an MRI, I mean, things light up, right? Certain parts of our brain, depending on what we're thinking. And so if you're thinking a thought, let's say about yourself, about God, about whatever, um, that part not only is going to light up, but then it's going to be stronger. And then more little thoughts are going to connect to it and everything like that. And so everything you think throughout the day is either strengthening or, uh, or reaffirming or creating. That's kind of the, the three things. And so it's strengthening or, or creating majority. And so when you are, when there's something that you want, like, oh, I want to create that God is good. I want to create that I'm good. But you have all this other stuff out here, then it's going to be really hard. And so again, it's it's the, the neuroplasticity portion is just the changing of the brain. It's when you have a new thought, a different thought, you take away this thought, you're actually deconstructing, which you can do. Um, we do it naturally, right? Like you believe yeah. in Santa Claus one day and then sure. two years later, you don't believe it. So beliefs, feelings, thoughts, memory changes all the time naturally. And But what we can do in the way God designed us is that we can actually purposefully change. Just like repentance. Jesus says, repent. Well, you know, it'll happen in God's time. No, we can actually change things. But that in our brain, we can actually change our mind as well. And so this is the neuroplasticity going on in our brain that when we're actually having a different thought, deconstructing the old ones of who I used to be and inserting new ones, new truths that are actually true, then it's actually changing the formation of our brain, which then uh, allows for different behaviors, right? Because our subconscious drives 95 to 99% of all of our conscious thoughts and conscious behaviors, what we do. And so when you change the mind, when there's different wires in your brain, it's going to flow the energy the wires the thoughts are going to flow in a different way right i think this is a great segue into something that we we really want you guys to answer for for those listening how does this translate then into the physical manifestation of healing 
Right. So yes. that immunology so, part portion of it, right? Sense, where right. the the that wiring then yeah to affects where your physical body. It, it affects your physical body, whether it's negatively or or mm. or positively, you know, and how much um, how much control do we really have over that? Is there a um, is there a ceiling? Is there a cap? Do you know what I mean? Like, are there things that we just have to accept? Like, this is an ailment that I can't do anything with or about, or is everything um, transformable that way? Is everything healable in that in that sense? To some extent? Yeah, that's a great that's a, that's a great question. So obviously, you know that I got green. No, it's fine. A lot of questions. <laughs> the, the the body, obviously, we know uh, only does what the brain tells it to. I mean, that's just we know that they're connected. Um, if you guys remember, uh, or if anybody out there has seen The Matrix, um, you remember that scene where he, where Neo, first of all, Neo's been freed, and it's been all these, and he now he, Morpheus is trying to help him really free his mind, not just like, okay, you're freed out of the Matrix. Now, now it's your mind. Now we got to do the work, right? And so it's that moment where he goes on top of uh, the building, and it's the building jump, and it's this whole idea where he's like. Okay, I can do this. Free my mind from and but he doesn't really believe it. So his wiring is still like, no, 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 there's no way I'm gonna do this. But no, I can do it. Let's do it. And he jumps, and of course he doesn't make it. And so in the same way, whatever our our mind says, believes, feels, whatever, our body's gonna follow. Um, so if we're talking about ailments, we're talking about physical disease, whatever, um, our subconscious, our true deep belief system is going to be the key to health or the key to ailment. Yeah, we, I mean, this, we get into some sticky spots when we talk about, you know, is this just something I'm gonna have to live with forever? Right. And how do we, this is where we get the, how do I glorify God through my illness kind of a stuff. And I think, are there, we're on a, we're in a fallen world. We're not just dealing with stuff we did, our personal deviations. Mm -hmm. This is the study of epigenetics. And we see it in the Bible. It said it there first. Generational sin. Generational sin. Things get passed down, passed down, passed down, passed down. And that affects our wiring as well. So do I believe that we can cure almost anything? I, I do. I think we can. Now, this people are like, ah, no, it's God. Of course it's God. But he, he gives us the power. He gives us the power to do it. The opportunity. Right. Uh, here, you can be healthy. You yeah, he designed well. us to be able to do it, is what you're saying. We're a self-contained kind of thing there, you know, yeah. like to be able to, our immune system is for a purpose. We're not just here waiting for God to come down and touch individually each one of our heads to be well when he feels like it or if we've earned it or if we're, because then how do you start to reconcile that? If God's the one that heals, and you got healed and I didn't. Right. Then it's kind of this mystery and or a genie effect or a merit effect or, or something. Favorism. You have to come up with these other frameworks. Yeah, we, go, we have. Right. We're going to make belief systems around that. We have to. And what did Jesus ask anyone that he was around? It, some, sometimes he didn't do much healing. Why? It was, it was, are they accepting it? It was their faith, right? Where they're at. And, and, and that idea of faith wasn't, it wasn't just a belief. It was a, it was, it was a trust. It was a returning to that original intent, that, that complete trust of the, the, the framework of the story, right? Yeah. Because what Jesus knew about the blind man or the, you know, the, the 
guy at the well or or at the at Bethesda or whatever. I mean, that wasn't Jesus. But anyway, what he what he knows is when you get well, it's going to change everything. Someone just wants to be well. That's where that guy came. That's his entire life. When he gets well, if he can see, there's a lot of expectations now. There's a lot of things that he's going to have to do and change his life. We often think, of course, someone wants to get well. Of course, the blind wants to see. Of course, the, the right. guy wants the demons driven out of him. What we don't sit with usually in humanity, but Jesus did, was uh, that everything's going to change. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Are you well, ready for that? Because that keeps people stuck and they don't even know it sometimes. The benefits yeah. of staying where we're at, whether it's physically or whether it's emotionally mm. uh, the, or spiritually. The, there's a benefit of, oh, but there's more people in my life or more people are helping me. Yeah, there's there's so many different things. Control, like, yeah. uh, ex, uh, uh, familiarity sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. um, I hate to end it. We have right, to, please. but um, it's been so helpful. And I love ending on this idea of the fullness of, of what Jesus was really offering, right? That um, this, this way of Jesus is not just offering a, another coping mechanism, a crutch that sometimes is the criticism of, of Christian faith, right? To get through life on, but actually a, a wholeness, a fully integrated yeah. mind and body and soul experience of your humanity. And I love the work you guys are doing. Where, where can people find out more about uh, what, you're, what you're doing? Yeah, people can go. Our, our website is mindchange.com. Uh, you can also go to mindchangeinstitute.com. That has our online courses. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything you want to find out, the, the books are, are right there on mindchange.com. Um, information about us, who we are, what we offer, things like that. So We've just started a nonprofit as mm -hmm. well that we, um, the Mind Change Movement, that we're really hoping at some point someone's going to come and take over and do stuff with because we've, we feel like there's so many avenues that this can be put into um, of first responders and people working yeah. you know, right in the front lines of trauma mm -hmm. and to be able to help people who maybe don't have the finances and stuff to be able to do it right now. Right. So yeah, Love anyway, we've got that too. Lots of stuff in the works. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure we get all those links uh, here on the show notes and Kent and Heather McKean, it's been fantastic to be with you and love the conversation and we will, we'll have to do a part two at some point. Yes, for sure. Thank you for making it happen on your Thank you. on your Appreciate journey. It. Yes. <laughs> on our <laughs> adventures, yes. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thanks.